Welcome to our Brave Feminine Leadership interview series where I get to dig into delicious conversations with global leaders and I get to ask them all about women in leadership and we get to soak up their wisdom and their perspective on life and leadership. And I'm so thrilled today to introduce Kylie Baller to the conversation. So lovely to have you with me, Kylie. Thank you, Melissa. Thanks for having me. So I'm going to touch on your bio briefly so people know who we're talking to and then away we'll go. So Kylie was appointed as the Managing Director for Australia and New Zealand ADP in February 2022. ADP has 60,000 employees globally, is 70 years old and has been named by Fortune magazine as one of the world's most admired companies for 16 years in a row. They focus on HR, payroll, talent, time, tax, and outsourcing, and really focus on HR as a strategic business asset, and they are always designing for people. So Kylie joined ADP in 1991 and has made a significant contribution, including her previous roles as Vice President Client Services for the Asia-Pacific region and living in Barcelona with her family for five years. Kylie strongly values diversity, representing ADP's international women on their leadership board. Kylie and I met through a CEO non-executive director networking group that we've both been part of and I know has been really valuable for us throughout our careers. So Kylie, fabulous as I said to have you here. For anyone in our audience who has not had the pleasure of coming across you before, would you share with us who you are as a human being, and let's get into your story. I can't wait to hear it. Yeah, sure. Thanks, Melissa. So um, I, I think probably to understand where the story starts gives you a, a real insight into uh, what Kylie is all about and who I am. So what I would say is early on in uh, in my career, I was really um, quite focused on getting started on the career and my life in parallel. So um, upon leaving high school, went directly into a graduate program so that I could study at the same time as working. And at the same time, I was uh, interested in getting married, got engaged to my now husband at the age of 19. And, and we, we both really were focused on making the most of that time in, um, in getting, getting things working as quickly as we could into our lives. So, um, and, and with that, I, I think... Some of the fundamentals that I learned at a very young age around my work ethic um, and about really uh, ensuring that you understand the whole end-to-end -end of something, all the different perspectives that go into um, making a decision or, or forming any opinion are really fundamental. So I think, uh, yeah, for anyone who doesn't know me well, I, I like to look at the whole picture. That's me. Fantastic. Wow. Um... Amazing at a young age to be, you know, kind of focused and focused and ready to go. Can I ask, we're going to get into what your career is, but I'd just love to ask a question straight off the bat, which is what do you rate as your superpowers? Wow. I mean, that, that word superpower, when I think of that, for me, it's about people, right? It's about humans and it's about the ability to connect. And so when I, uh, when I think about work and I think about my time outside of work, it's really about building relationships and connections with people. Um, and again, how do we then sort of look at any problem you're trying to solve, whether it be in business or whether it be about building a strategy or building teams? Uh, it's really about how you can bring the strengths and the best people have to any particular team or the way that you're working. Um, and so I, I, I think a bit of a strength might be either recognizing or helping people recognize themselves. 
some of the things that make them unique and special um, mm. and really looking for a very diverse group of ideas and thoughts and perspectives into any conversation. Um, and so with that, you get so much uh, colour and joy out of every interaction because everyone has the ability to be themselves. Um, so, yeah, I think that's that's a, a bit about how I operate and um, I think in work it's, it's definitely something I bring every day. Fantastic. I um, I love the bit you talked about, you know, the talent of potentially seeing potential in people maybe before they recognise it themselves. And, you know, if I look back on my own CEO career, I would say I found that I had to do that more often for women than I had to do that for men in terms of spotting that talent. Does that resonate with you? Yeah, I think um, definitely women are, are often in the situation where they're waiting for somebody else to tell them what their role is or the role they play in a given setting. Um, and so wanting to be sure they're fitting in or they're meeting all the criteria, and that might be in their mind a very long criteria, um, and just helping them navigate uh, how what they bring to the table is actually far more valuable than trying to fit into somebody else's construct. So often it's just giving people permission to come up with that checklist themselves in terms of what they're bringing um, into the conversation or to the project. Uh, yeah. Yes, so who did that? Who did that for you? As we weave our way through your career, and I know that you've been at yeah. ADP um, for a wonderful long time now, since 1991. Yeah. So yeah. who did that for you? Let's step through your career and and some of the moments in your career. So I have to say, one of the things I love about working with the organisation, and 32 years is a long time to be, uh, you know, with, with any company, um, but I can I can think of, you know, you're in the the uh, in the trenches in operations and, and people calling out uh, or, or uh, you know, sharing with others what you've done in terms of impact to clients. You know, all the way, I think, through each of my roles, there has been other other women and, and often also other other senior male leaders who are doing what I'm hoping to do now, and that is finding those special skills and qualities that people are bringing to the table. Um, you know, very early on, we had a head of IT here at ADP, and this would have been in the probably late 80, uh, sorry, early 90s, um, and probably unusual for a female to be heading an IT department. Um, and she just rolled up her sleeves and got on with, um, uh, you know, what she needed to do. And, and I think Debbie was very unique in terms of um, just how she saw the world, which was almost uh, didn't have a gender. Yes. People just really just got on with their roles and their jobs. Um, she'd get up into the ceiling and, and do cabling if, if required, if it was necessary, through to, you know, working with a client, you know. And I think one of the things that uh, I, it always impressed me about her was it was more about the job or the task than it was about things being gender specific. Um, and, and through to, you know, all the way through ADP, I would say uh, we have a real um, saying here, which is about lifting as you climb. And I feel on a daily basis, there are um, other women in my network at ADP and they may not just be in Australia, they're sprinkled all over the globe um, where they're catching you performing. Um, and when you've done something great, they're calling that out um, and sharing that with others and using that to, to role model. Um, and I think that's, yeah, that's a big part of the career. Um, I yeah. like that. I don't want to let that slip by, that catching you performing. Yeah, yeah. I think, 
When, when you are uncertain yourself, and, and as you go back before, I think sometimes uh, women are a little uncertain of their own superpowers and how what they bring to the table can, can bring value. And in trying to articulate that, when you have someone that's catching you performing and saying, wow, I love that, or um, have you noticed how that connects with this and it amplifies what you're doing um, and the ability for, for that to be recognised then helps you understand if you're heading in the right trajectory and uh, you're bringing the value that you want to bring for business. So let me ask you about your tenure and I throw it on the table only because, I mean, I had a very long career in my organisation as well and I recently mentored an executive from Google who was worried that her long tenure was not an asset um, which we uh, we ended up sort of transforming her viewpoint on all of that. But tell me about your tenure. Tell me about, you know, how you think about that. So firstly, I would say I'm super proud of having grown up in the business. I've seen multiple iterations of the organisation, but I think also I bring um, a level of real understanding about what make, makes our culture tick mm-hmm. uh, because I, I have to say whilst... Um, the organisation that I joined was Lend-Lease. It was acquired by ADP throughout my career. Yes. Um, the products, the clients, and very much the fundamentals of what the business were about were trans, you know, transported with a new brand but very much remained intact. So I, what I would say is one of the things I bring to, to the organisation is just that deep understanding of what it's like to be in the ADP family. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to say, I, I was sharing with you something I do myself every year around, you know, the Christmas New Year period as we all get very reflective and, you know, sometimes think about the need to exercise more. But I think for me, one of the things I, I do religiously think about is, am I in the right place? What do I want to do with my career um, and, and challenge myself? I, I never want to be uh, complacent. Mm-hmm. And I, I would say in, in the last sort of, five to eight years and, and uh, the, the journey of moving overseas and coming back again, I see the value of being uncomfortable. I will look for challenges that will stretch me and I know that the real growth only comes when things aren't feeling as neat and easy as, as they should do. Um, and so I do. I, I challenge myself each year and I say, is ADP the organisation that's going to continue to give me those challenges and that stretch in order for me to be able to grow and look around me to say, well, what will those opportunities look like? And I have to say, um, in our industry, particularly uh, in in the area of of looking at compensation and compliance and data security and privacy, um, there's nobody else that can do what we do. And I wanna be on the A team. Mm. And so the ability for me to ask myself that question every year, I I try to do that with a very um, objective viewpoint that says, it's okay. To, to move to another organisation if I think the opportunity to grow or the opportunity to work for someone who's more competent in that field, yes. you know, really, really answer that question honestly. Um, and so, yeah, having done that the last few months, I, I uh, must say I continue to have that resolve. Um, and so I see actually the tenure as being a superpower because it's something that's forcing me each year to to challenge myself and, and to ensure I'm in the right place, but also to give back to the organisation um, in terms of what I think makes it unique and special. Mm. So let's talk about some of those moments of getting uncomfortable in your career. And uh, I know when you and I connected previously, we spoke about sort of heading overseas, but is that where you start? or would, Yeah, okay. So tell us about yeah. that. 
Definitely. I mean, the idea to move overseas wasn't mine. It was my uh, my boss at the time, and and he was from Barcelona, even though I lived in the US. And I just I had a, a son, my second son, and uh, sitting in hospital at the time with my son, thinking, how am I going to work these global hours with this tiny little boy? Um, and my eldest was was six at the time. Um, and he suggested, well, why don't you work in the local hours in Barcelona? And I had the thought had never crossed my mind. Um, I have to say, uh, moving, being a new mum again with a small child, um, that in itself was a little daunting and thankfully had a, a great um, husband and partner who, who agreed to take on a, a more, uh, a larger role in terms of looking after the kids. Um, so that was my first step on a personal level, confronting being a mother, working in a different way to the way I had with my first son. Um, and then moving overseas and realising I had the opportunity to show up as a really authentic Kylie. Uh, and what I mean by that is I, I realised um, that I had been allowing myself to um, just fit into a, a construct to some degree that others were defining for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'd always been a very people person and outgoing and, and definitely there is a lot of, of that passion that, that went into everything that I had. Um, but I felt that I, I really hadn't amplified and I hadn't become myself. And, and so moving to Europe and, and living in a small village of about 5,000 people gave me the opportunity to, in my home life and then in my career, start to figure out um, what were the areas that I really wanted to amplify about myself and bring more of that to the table every day. Um, I was in a senior leadership team, which initially was largely male, and and the team were from, you know, uh, Europe uh, and different parts. They were from the the Netherlands and from the UK and France, Um, and working with all of these different men from different cultures, again, uh, forced me to to really um, challenge myself in terms of how do I find my voice in a room where I really felt like, um, maybe you, you hear of imposter syndrome, right? You really don't belong. Uh, and it, it was really about how do I demonstrate value in this leadership team? How do I demonstrate um, the fact that I've come from Australia, I can still understand what it means to be global, what it means to service a, a global client base um, and uh, to really find my place in that group. Um, Lots of tough times. Yeah, I was going to say, so how did you do that? I mean, tell us tell us some of the, because it's not an easy thing to, and there'll be so many people in your situation. I hear stories all the time of people feeling this way. What did you actually do? Yeah, so I, I think one of the, the first challenges was the role I took um, was one where I was responsible for bringing a new product to life um, and, and it was focused on integrating you know, 160 different systems. So it was a, a quite a complex technical construct. Um, and I was passionate about the outcomes and I was selected for that role because of my client's centricity. Mm. And what I learned uh, in the period of whole, having that role is that being in the back office may be miserable. <laughs> I learned a lot technically. Yeah. I learned an enormous amount in terms of, you know, what goes into a development cycle and and, and really about the technical aspects of building um, applications and, and products and also working with a, a, a very technical team, you know, in terms of their skill sets and how, how, how to build and, and build rapport. 
But what I learned from that also was I really missed the client interaction. And one of the things that I enjoyed most was actually connecting and collaborating very closely with um, organisations that were trying to solve problems. Mm-hmm. And as much as, you know, my skill set previously had had been involved in um, bringing those problems to the product teams to then design products for people, what I enjoyed most was being on the people side. Yes. Um, and, and that took me a while to, to uh, understand what it was about that dynamic. Um, and I think I wouldn't have taken that chance on myself and that risk in going into a role that was so different had it not been away from Australia. And so taking that risk and really feeling very uncomfortable for the first almost 12 months in that role, yeah. what I learned was you learn so much about yourself when you get into that grey, uncomfortable zone. Mm-hmm. Um, and in addition to that, you you do um, you find ways to lean on those things that you know uh, I'm going to use your word, the superpowers, right? yes. the relationship building um, and your ability to be able to connect with people and, and try and understand what makes them tick. So through that sort of that role and, and everything that that role brought and, and the challenges and, and what I learned from that, it, it then enabled me to better understand I could bring so much more value connected to um, our marketplace and, and the people that uh, our clients and, and our teams that were using all the software that we had. So, I mean, I, th- I think I would not have had that growth. I would not have had that aha moment had I not been in a role where I felt deep in my gut that it wasn't it wasn't sitting um, in in the right way. And I and I also think it was a very important step for me to understand that I had to drive my own career because I think what others saw in me was the ability to align with the marketplace. But what I needed to share was actually working directly in collaboration and, and, and being far more what I'll call front of office, right, and, and leading teams um, and developing a business that was, that was more connected to the market than in the development space of the organisation. So does that mean you then shared that sort of ambition or that, you know, that you wanted to sort of be in that space openly with someone at that point in time or how did you navigate well, that? What I, what I then did was consciously start to look for stretch assignments and consciously start to make time with individuals that were working in the space that I wanted to get into eventually. I think at that point I still was waiting for somebody else to recognise this in me. Yes. Um, and what I did proactively was how could I connect with those people so that they could see what I could bring. Um, and the stretch assignments included taking on things like um, a, a role which was about global uh, deployment of, of our products and services so I could bring the technology aspect. But when it came to deployment, it was about change management mm-hmm. and the ability for people to, to adapt and adopt a new way of working. Um, and so I was able to, to demonstrate um, those relationship skills through helping people change mm-hmm. um, and, and use new technology in different ways. So those stretch assignments then enabled people to see my signature and, yeah. and the way that I showed up. Um, and then I started to verbalise, well, now that I've done this, I'd love to do a lot more of this. Are there roles that, that really um, uh, look like this full time? And, and then the scope of what I was working on definitely uh, started to take, um, take shape 
through to the uh, one of the last assignments I did in Europe before leaving, I actually was the MC for our, our global client conference. And so I was able to bring together um, the history of working at ADP for as long as I have and, and the organisation and its evol evolution, um, but really uh, up on stage, share with our prospects and clients um, the value of, of not only the software but the people and software, which is, for me, um, you know, the always designing for people what that's all about. So I, I think part of that is um, an understanding of where you wanted to head, attaching yourselves to those stretch assignments and people that help you gravitate towards that, and then when you're ready, putting your hand up and going, I want that, mm. and really being quite bullish in terms of the roles and the assignments you're looking for that can bring um, those elements of your personality and, and, and uh, capability to the table. Did you ever think, you know, in that sort of 12 months where you were really out of your comfort zone in a new country, you know, and all those sorts of things and adding to your family and all that sort of stuff, did you ever think about this is all a bit too hard, I might just go home? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I, I thought about it a number of different ways. Should I go home and work for an, in a different organisation? Should I, you know, what's the way out? Yeah. How could I have made such a decision for my entire family to uproot us and, and, and to bring us to this new location? Um, yeah, there was, there was definitely a moment um, of, uh, I'll say, lots of beach running and talking to myself. Uh, so I, I yeah, definitely um, had a lot of reflection time. Um, and some of the things that I think, I mean, I'll uh, transparently. I'm a bit of a girly girl, and I like I, I like fashion, and I like things, um, you know. And, and I think for me, the ability to find things within myself that could bring more of myself to the table. So it's the colours, something, you know, um, something about a situation that would help my mindset move outside of all of the things that I couldn't control and I felt weren't working well, right? And so it was about just very small things around having a bunch of flowers, you know, and those flowers and the colours were things that would make me smile. It was about purposefully getting dressed in the morning and finding ways to bring more of myself to the the, uh, the day. And it was very conscious and it was hard. Yeah. Um, and I think once I had found those things that would help me navigate to myself um, and definitely with a lot of support from my husband, you know, we, we sort of decided well, tough isn't bad. Yeah. Tough just helps you get to the next level. Um, and uh, once you can start get a couple, get it, starting to get a couple of opportunities where you can use in those stretch assignments the abilities to do the things that you love, you then can navigate to the next step. Mm. Let me take a brief pause from listening to the podcast for a minute just to check in and see if the conversation's inspiring any new thoughts or any new reflections for you. I hear so often from people in our audience, largely successful and senior professional women, how much they are craving some inspiration into their lives. I would just love to share with you, if you're looking for some, then come and sign up for our Sunday Inspiration email series. You can find a link in the show notes at the end of the show. Now let's get back to the podcast. So thank you for sharing that so openly because I think they're incredible points that, you know, people need to find something to cling on to in those points to, to kind of navigate their way through it. So I'm, I'm skipping a whole part of your career as you then navigated back to Australia and moved into a, a senior role in this region. 
and then took on the MD role. So I would just love to, you know, I'm all about wanting more female CEOs. What was your thought process around that role and taking that role and what's surprised you about the role? Yeah. So so I would say again, if I think about um, this just desire to make myself uncomfortable to help with the growth, that was, I, I would say, the first initial thought. Um, when I was coming back to Australia, this role was initially open and, and uh, I took the regional role thinking I needed to do something in the region that had, you know, multi-country, you know, a big a big regional kind of spread. And, and I realised um, it actually didn't have the elements that I was looking for, and that was new new pieces of, of the business. And, and when, you, when you look at the managing director role at ADP, it's, it's the entire end-to-end. And what I had done at that point, you know, for a given market, that is, you know, for yes. Australia and New Zealand, what I'd done up until that point was very deep in operations, was very deep in, you know, the relationship management side of the house and, and even in the development side of things. Um, and so what this role did was really challenge me to be able to bring together from strategy right through to, um, you know, the product delivery and, and operations, sales and marketing, which, you know, I'd partnered with that part of the business, but really not understanding, um, you know, all of those elements, how you bring them all together in a single strategy. Uh, so it was daunting to start with, which told me I was probably doing the right thing. Yeah, <laughs> um, and I also had this intense sort of connection with the business because this is where I started all those years ago. Um, and, and there was just so much I'd learnt from the international experience in being able to um, build such a, a large network of incredible partners and, and um, co-workers all over the world. I really wanted to find ways to bring those connections to, to our business here. Um, and so, you know, with the fire in my belly to, to bring that to the business, but also to learn from this role. Um, and on top of that, we, we, uh, we had the ability to bring a new product to the market, which for me was hugely exciting. You know, first time in I'm going to say 30 odd years that we're, we're doing that here in the Australian and New Zealand space. Um, and so I really, uh, I really was quite excited about the ability to do something brand new here. Brilliant. Um, and for sure, learning curve and, and everything else, but um, that's, that's half the fun, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Has anything surprised you about the role? Actually, how much I'm loving it. I'll be, I'll be, uh, uh, 12 months this month uh, in the role and um, I think the first few months of course like anything you, you know when you're on that learning curve you're thinking when is this going to get easier when am I going to wake up and actually know what I'm doing or when can I predict that the day is going to be the same um, I have just been overwhelmed with just the reaction and response I've had from both clients and associates as we call our employees in the business um, and just how you know how open people are to looking at different ways of doing things or for us to be able to take all the incredible experience that we have here um, and then amplify that. So, so I think, yeah, I, I, I thought this was going to be a little more tedious and, and I have to say that, um, yeah, I'm definitely on a daily basis. There's, there's things about this business I'm learning and, and uncovering and, 
like everywhere, things are moving very quickly, right? We're all in this fast-paced world right now. And so uh, there's never a, a dull moment. But every day there's something to be grateful for and I'm having a ball. That's so wonderful. I, I shout from the rooftops what a wonderful role the CEO role was. So it's so wonderful to hear someone else loving, loving yeah. it. So, yeah. um, so come on, guys, come and jump into those roles or girls, come and jump into those roles. They're incredible. I, um, you know, I always ask why there are not more female CEOs. What's your, what's your perspective on that? So I have to say here at ADP, I, I feel quite blessed. Our CEO, Maria Black, female, newly appointed, um, our head of international business, Virginia is, is a female, and my boss, Jessica, Jessica Zhang, is from uh, in, out of Singapore. So I we have three females that I in my universe, plus our incredible um, senior leadership team. Where where so I would say at ADP, we have it in spades. Yes. When I look around my peers, and I look around, um, you know, in, here in Australia in particular, and the forums that I attend, there's definitely, I, I think a lot of opportunity to build the sisterhood that I see at ADP. Yes. Um, the lift as you climb um, and the whole mantra of how we lean in to one another, um, I think that's, you know, there's more opportunity for us to do that here. Uh, and I also think that, you know, for quite a while now we've had lots of male role models in terms of what does leadership look like. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so trying to, you know, twist into something that looks a little like that you know, can feel really unnatural, uh, and and sometimes, you know, you're not you're not really connecting um, the real you with what you can bring to a situation. And so I think that the shout out there is is for more of us to show up as ourselves um, and to do that leaning in and and bringing each other along the way uh, so that we can see multiple different types of role models. I mean, the the, uh, the best day would be a day where we have such diversity, not only of gender, but of, you know, thought of people just being able to show up for their their authentic selves. And, and I really feel that um, that's going to be the next iteration for the workplace here in Australia. And I want to ask you about that in a minute. Before I ask you that question, you and I had, you know, two things, I think. I remember you saying to me earlier that going back to that sort of um, male leadership role models that perhaps many of us grew up with, I remember you saying that perhaps early in your career you had to adopt more masculine leadership traits. When did you feel that pressure come off? Yeah, well, you know, I, a little bit around the same time being in, in Spain, I think when, I, when you are challenged with a situation and you're trying to find how you can make it a better place, mm -hmm look to yourself, right? You say, okay, what are the things that make me smile? Um, and and what, what's going to help me navigate through this situation and being able to be authentic? And, and I think also probably uh, being able to bring your whole self. So I do, I talk regularly about my kids. I, uh, I have a very, um, what I would say is what you see is what you get kind of uh, approach now in life yes. just because you understand the more, yourself you can be in, in any given situation the more impactful you're able to be so you don't have that that veneer that you're working through right yeah. and a lot of it just comes down to a greater volume of role models you can look at around you that says okay great leadership looks like this 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 or this it's just not one all size fits all right so yeah 
Do you often think about what do people see when they look up? Yeah, absolutely. So what do um, they see when they look up at you? You know, I, I think the key thing here is, is you want to be able to provide a vehicle for people to really bring their best selves to work and to feel connected to the vision, right? Um, and in that, I feel a huge responsibility of being able to translate all the talent that we have and, and all the things that we do within our organisation into something that is valuable to the marketplace to help us grow. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, when, when people look up, I think the, the most important thing is that they can feel connected to what that stands for and whether that be as a human being in terms of, um, you know, uh, really uh, being quite a, um, a transparent and honest and, and sort of very deliberate person. And I think those, those character traits and, and the importance of who you are as a person is, is just as critical as how effective you are in the role. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that human dimension is one that we shouldn't lose sight of in terms of uh, how people grade you. When they look at you as a leader, they want to know that um, that what you stand for is ethical yes. and is something that um, represents them. Because at the end of the day, uh, as as someone who works in an organisation, you want to know that your leader is is representative of, of how you see the world too. I know that you do so much work in the future of work space. What are you particularly excited about? What do you think we should be excited about? So I think, you know, we have kind of two lenses at ADP when we look, we think about it internally. We, we have a break the ceiling um, survey that we've been now doing. We're now on our third iteration where we look at um, what would be, you know, what are the most important things that women are looking for to help them progress in their career. Um, and so really looking at the role of, of role models and mentors and stretch assignments. And I'm really excited to hear that work amplified you know, in every country I visit at ADP, you can you can really see that there is a swell and a body of work where where um, other women can have opportunities to learn and to grow. And so I'm very um, excited about that aspect. And then when I think about the work we do in the ADP Research Institute, so we we do lots of of studies across um, geographies and, and industries. Um, and I do think that we've had this unique opportunity with COVID to to reset and I think um, the demand for flexibility which particularly for women um, is is an important element when we think about our career and and frankly we, we often play the role of caregiver whether it be for children or you know for parents um, and so that you know when I think about the uh, the research telling us that the future of work needs to be flexible in terms of not just where your work is done but how work is done yeah. And to be far more focused on outcomes than it is on um, busy work. Yes. And I think for women, that's an incredible um, opportunity because, you know, uh, often, and I'm sure what I'm saying is, is not uncommon for, for many of us that are juggling um, a whole range of different things. And, and life doesn't just happen between nine to five or outside of nine to five, yes. right? And so the opportunity for you to um, be able to have a more flexible 
style of work and in different industries that might mean different things. But you, you can really see the movement and the data telling us that's what employees are looking for. Yes. Um, and so I, I really feel that future of work in the way that we integrate um, work into our lives will be a fabulous game changer for, for women. You gave me an incredible statistic that I think is worth sharing with the audience, just how much employee data you guys have yeah, well, we pay we pay just in the Australian New Zealand space. We we pay seven hundred and fifty thousand workers every month, right? Yeah. Um, and you know we're in one hundred and nine countries across the globe, and really uh, the the data that we are able to glean yeah. from all of those employees and employers that we're touching across the globe. So the ADP Research Institute really can is able to look at. Um, a given topic, whether it be, you know, flexibility in the workplace, um, the amount of overtime people are working, um, how people are thinking about trust in the workplace, uh, all of those aspects really. Um, and so we've got a, a, um, a 2023 survey that, that will be coming out shortly um, and bring bringing more hot off the press sort of uh, observations because you can imagine the world's going at a very fast pace right now. Absolutely. Yeah. That sounds incredible. Now, Kylie, I'm going to ask you the final question I ask everybody. Um, I feel like we're going to need part two and part three in our conversation because there's so many threads <laughs> that I want to keep picking up on. I'm trying to be disciplined. Um, <laughs> and so the final question is, from your perspective, what does brave feminine leadership mean and do you think it needs to change? I just see the opportunity here in Australia. I think here particularly, um, the humility and the connection to people that women are able to bring to the workplace, particularly in a senior leadership role, um, in this environment and, and you know, economic times that are uncertain, I, I truly believe this is where innovation happens. And I think as women, we bring a really unique skill set to the table where we are able to help navigate um, organisations and our teams and our clients through these uncertain times, through through those connections. So uh, yeah, I, I do I do think we are ready for the next phase, um, whatever we want to call that, post COVID or you know the the, the next the next normal. Um, and in that next phase, I'm really looking forward to seeing amazing uh, female leaders out there helping drive innovation in these uncertain yet opportunistic times. Carly, uh, congratulations on your new product launch as well. We can't wait to hear lots more about all of that and your continued success in the role. But thank you so much for adding your voice to our conversation. It's been wonderful having you here. Thank you, Melissa, and thank you so much for all the work you do too. It's a true inspiration. I really mean that. Thank you. And that was the end of another podcast conversation. So thank you so much for listening to the episode today. I often hear from leaders who felt inspired by the conversations and are ready to put themselves first. And so I wanted to take a brief moment just to share how I've helped hundreds of women just like you become crystal clear on the exact steps they should be following right now to lead an intentional and sustainable life without second guessing themselves so that they can maximize their influence and impact. I've put some details into the show notes and there's a link there where you can find out some more about our signature Elevate and Influence program. While you're there, take the time to sign up for our Sunday inspiration email series. 
Have a brilliant day.